Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So the title of my talk today is Zero, a Portal into Inner Being. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about Chuangsa, uh, St. Hildegard and Banke. Uh, so Chuangsa, uh, um, the second of the most important Taoists from early Taoism, uh, from the fourth century before the contemporary era, the one, the guy who wrote all the stories, uh, uh, Lao Tzu is the Da Dai Jing guy, Chuangsa is the guy with all the stories. Um, St. Hildegard, whom I just discovered recently, 13th century Catholic message, pretty cool. <laughs> And Banke, seven, uh, 1600s uh, in Japan's uh, 17th century uh, Japanese ambassador. Um, so Chuangsa is the playful jester. He's like a kid. He's teasing us. He's playing jokes on us to help us let go of our baggage. He's urging us to just in his own playful way, enjoy just being and not worrying about what we're supposed to be doing or societal norms, like we should all sit like this, really pay attention to Tim. <laughs> okay, it makes me feel good, so maybe you should all do it. <laughs> On the other hand, it's, it's a societal norm. And, and we need to move beyond getting stuck on societal norms. That's what Chunk says all about. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, so I am going to do Chongsa now, first Chongsa. How does he help us? How does he encourage us to rest on zero? Zero. Zero sounds cold, but you guys have heard me talk about it before. All the numbers come out of zero. You can be a, a millionaire, but there's the six zeros that support the one. And if, you, and if you live from those zeros, whether it's one or ten or just more zeros, it's okay. Because you're living from just, just being, just, just being here. Uh, so, Chuangsa uh, uh, is not interested in helping us improve our meditation or state of mind. I know we are, but he's not interested. He's interested in teasing us so that we let go of that idea that we should be different. We should be different. And uh, it reminds me of a series of talks our the, the founding teacher Katagiri Roshi gave here years ago on uh, the everyday mind, <clears throat> uh, 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 the everyday mind is the Buddha mind. And I always, I listened to all those talks and I thought, yeah, that's fine, but someday maybe my everyday mind will be the Buddha mind. And though he kept saying, your everyday mind is the Buddha mind. <laughs> <laughs> and once I, I, he was looking at me and he said, your everyday mind, my everyday, my screwed up mind, my mind that's out of control, my mind that wants to get out of this retreat because my feet are cold, that's the Buddha mind. Of course, comes out of zero, comes out of openness. We can rest on zero. When we rest on zero, all the numbers come up. All the numbers come up. Of course, Chongsa doesn't mention zero. <laughs> I don't know. Some uh, probably Katagiri or Suzuki mentioned zero. 
So our everyday mind is the Buddha mind. Your everyday mind right now, even if it's gyrating on 10,000 miles an hour, it's the Buddha mind. Because all Buddha means is awake. You can wake up to what's ever going on at any moment. So uh, Kadigiri Roshi also used to say, Zazen is useless. After we've been sitting you know, all day, busting our pots, Zazen is useless. What we want, useful, right? But this is beyond useful and useless. Right here, zero, zero. So here's a, here's a, a story from Chuangzi. A woodcutter carpenter's apprentice stood staring for a long time at an ancient gnarled tree as broad as a house and as bent over as a crane. But the woodcutter just, carpenter just ignored it. And the apprentice said to him, since I first took up, took up my axe and followed you, master, I've never seen a timber as beautiful as this. But you don't even bother to look and go right on without stopping. Why is that? Forget it. Say no more, said the woodcutter carpenter. It's a worthless tree. Make boats out of it and they'll sink. Make coffins and they rot in no time. <clears throat> Make vessels and they break at once. Use it for doors and it would sweat like sap like pine. Use it for posts and the worms would eat them up. It's not a timber tree. There's nothing it can be used for. That's how it got to be that old. And the, old, the ancient tree itself then appeared to him in a dream <laughs> to give him a bit of a talking to. <laughs> what are you comparing me with? Are you comparing me with those useful trees, the cherry apple, the pear, the orange, the citron, the rest of those fructiferous trees and shrubs? As soon as their fruit, fruit is ripe, they are torn apart and subjected to abuse. Their big limbs are broken off. Their little limbs are yanked around. Their utility makes life miserable for them. And so they don't get to finish out the years heaven gave them, but are cut off in mid-journey. They bring it on themselves through all their pulling and pushing, pushing and pulling. As for me, I've been trying a long time to be of no use. <laughs> and though I almost died, I finally have got it. <laughs> if I had some use... Would I have ever grown this yet large? <laughs> so he's not saying we should be useless. He's saying, you know, we're always trying to, we, everybody wants to be useful, but, but already rest on zero. You're useful just by being. <clears throat> achieve, achieve, achieve. Try to fit in, try to fit in, try to fit in. But if we just let our embrace our thought, our authentic selves, we don't need to even know what it is. We just embrace zero, our authentic self. And we open, we open. We open to a wonderful aliveness where our, our inherent worth shows through just by being who we are. <clears throat> Why did we all like Mr. Rogers? How many of you remember Mr. Rogers? Maybe you've got to be pretty old. Oh, some of you don't know. Come, raise your hand if you remember Mr. Rogers. Oh, even some of you younger people know Mr. Rogers. Well, my kids and I watch Mr. Rogers every Saturday morning. 
And then my grandkids and their mother, somehow she got it, typed into their apartment in Paris. She said, you, you, you guys can do all the dinosaurs and all the shooting you want, but you're watching Mr. Rogers in the same. <laughs> Mr. Rogers, okay. Uh, here's Mr. Rogers. In a way, you've already won in this world because you're the only one who can be you. Whether you are useless or useful, you've already won. <laughs> zero. Zero is a big hug. All of, It's not just this tiny cold zero. It's a big hug. It's a big hug. And here's Mr. Rogers again. As human beings, our job in life is to help people realize how rare and valuable each one of us really is. That each of us has something that no one else has or ever will have. Something inside that is unique all the time. It's our job to encourage others to discover that uniqueness and provide ways of developing its expression. So once many years ago, when I was having a really hard time at San Francisco Zen Center, feeling like quitting, um, um, uh, uh, I ran into my teacher in the hallway and he said to me, you have a great treasure inside. And I looked at him and I said, nothing at all. I said, what did you say? And he said, you have a great treasure. Well, that helped me a lot. That helped me a lot. You have a great treasure. Each of you has a great treasure. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? You're lucky. That very piece of sand, <laughs> that very abrasive feeling deep inside is also Marjorie knows what it is. It's the pearl. It's the pearl. Without the sand, there's going to be no pearl. That's your treasure. That's your treasure. It's the sand pearl. It's your treasure. And that's Dogen. The whole world is one bright pearl, says Dogen. It goes on and on. And here's Mr. Rogers again. You can't really love someone else unless you really love yourself first. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Letting go of an image of how we should be. How we should be and just being here with this. One piece of sand, two pieces of sand, 80,000 pieces. That's the pearl. That's the pearl. Take care of it. Take care of it. And so another story at Chuangsa that I talk about a lot is Chuangsa wakes up in the morning and he's had a dream. And what has the dream been? He's dreamed he was a butterfly flitting from flower to flower. Uh, uh, black and yellow swallowtail butterfly flitting from flower to flower. And then uh, he says, he, write, he writes down, oh, uh, 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 Am I Chuangsa who uh, was dreaming I was a butterfly? Or am I a butterfly dreaming that I'm Chuangsa? I don't really know. It's very wonderful. We don't need to know. Everything's changing. Everything's moving. There's beauty all around us, inside us and outside us. Pearls, pieces of sand. We don't need to know. We think we need to know. We think we need to get it right. 
I know you do. You think you need to go. <clears throat> the boundaries of reality are arbitrary. They're arbitrary. There's a playful uncertainty of life. In case you haven't noticed. Now, you may think it's not playful. Oh, well. <laughs> just, just pay attention a little more to these, these teachers and they'll help you discover that it's playful. It's serious. It's playful. I emphasize the playful more than the serious because you're all so serious. <laughs> Zendo, at least. <laughs> so serious. <laughs> Dogen. There are those who are enlightened within delusion and those who are deluded within enlightenment. Which would you rather be? Deluded within enlightenment or enlightened within delusion? Take your choice. <laughs> so now Hildegard, St. Hildegard, whom I just discovered recently. She's wonderful. I think I'm going to include her in my next class. <clears throat> I've fallen in love with her. Blending religious devotion with visionary experiences. Zen doesn't emphasize visionary stuff. Um, but Katagiri Roshi did used to talk about the importance of dim vision, building on Dogen, talking about dim vision, and his own dim vision. Uh, so we shouldn't get too enamored of or whatever vision we have, whatever, whatever inkling of what we want for a future, but we should take care of it. We, and our dim vision, Katagiri Roshi took care of his dim vision, which is why he came to Minnesota, <clears throat> even though it was pretty dim. And when he got here and he saw the winters, I think his vision got even dimmer. <laughs> <laughs> and me too. I, he, I had... Been, we had been in San Francisco together. I didn't know he was coming here. I had no idea, but I went to the library in Los Gatos, California one day, and I came home and told my wife, who paid attention to me in those days. <laughs> well, she still pays attention to me, but she thought I had some great enlightenment experience that she should really pay attention to. Now she's <laughs> really let go of that, which is good. Which is good. So I said... We're going to go to Minnesota and live. She said, Minnesota? Why would we go there? <laughs> but I had a dim vision. But I didn't know Katagiri was going to come. And then I was living in northern Minnesota. And he showed up here. I thought, wow. Wow. And then I came down to see him. And during the first dog song with him, he said, I thought I'd see you again. But he didn't know I was here. Dim vision. But dim vision sometimes can... Really, we need to pay attention to it. It'll help us. But it's dim, so you get all confused. That's okay. That's okay. I got all confused. <clears throat> if the vision is too clear and too clean, it's more of an ego trap. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> but anyway, Hildegard had wonderful visions. So here's her vision of dancing stars and singing rivers. For in my light, the stars dance, and the rivers sing my song. <clears throat> Lie down in the grass, my beloved, and feel the pulse of creation beneath you. You are not separate, but a note in the symphony of being. So she's inviting us to join this wonderful dance of life, where we're, each of us is a movement of this wonderful symphony. 
Heidegger also used to talk about the symphony and that each of us is a node in that symphony. Each of us is a node in that wonderful symphony. Here's Mr. Rogers. It's the things we play with and the people who help us play that makes a great difference in our lives. A great difference in our lives. And here's Hildegard again, St. Hildegard. <clears throat> Close your eyes, my child, and taste the silence in the space where striving ceases. You meet me, and in meeting me, you meet all that is. For I am the breath that fills your lungs, the sun that warms your skin, the earth that cradles your body. The space between any two thoughts is your resting place. Between any two, even if, you're, even if your thoughts are going a thousand miles an hour, that space is there. You can rest in it. And then we're not, we're resting together, all of us. We're all of us resting together, always. Here she is again. Do not rush. Rust in the rest in the metal, meadow of my love, like a child trusting its mother. Bathe your warm, your sun scorn, excuse me, bathe your sun warm skin in the gentle breeze of my breath. As your mother, let me carry you, for you are my child. Do not rush, rest in the meadow of my love, like a child trusting its mother. Bathe your sun-warm skin in the gentle breeze of my breath. As your mother, let me carry you. You are my child. So she's connecting the divine, where we don't use in Buddhism, with the tangible, warm skin, the body, the everyday world, and the Buddha world. Not too, not too. Here's Mr. Rogers again. <clears throat> I only got one more Mr. Rogers. I, think <laughs> I, just, I want to teach a whole class on Mr. Rogers, though. He's pretty cool. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. You see, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in the person we happen to be with at the moment, we're doing what God does. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something truly sacred. So Mr. Rogers and St. Hildegard, both encouraging us to live from what we call the Buddha nature, the Tathagata Karma. Tathagata meaning womb or nature, Garba meaning Buddha, the Buddha the Buddha nature. Opening up to zero, the womb of our awakening. Everything comes from the womb, everything returns to the womb. And the womb is always supporting us. It's always supporting us. And that's why the maternal is so important in Asian mythology. In Hinduism, I won't talk about that today, but in Buddhism, Prajnaparamita, the mother of all the Buddhas. In Taoism, the valley of the universe is the female presence. The, the men were the, the it, these were all patriarchal religions, but they they knew they depended on the feminine. They knew that the feminine energy knew how to be intimate, intimate 
and that the male can find that within him too. It may be a little harder for us, but we can do it because it's here. It's here. So a story on my first book that I haven't told in a few years. Uh, uh, when I lived in northern Minnesota with my family, after talking my wife and moving from San Francisco and Palo Alto to northern Minnesota, and she, when we drove up to the Iron Range, and she said, where's this mountain range that we, they keep talking about? <laughs> no, no mountain range. No, it's it's <laughs> tailings. <laughs> it's iron tailings. What? <laughs> and another old story. Old story, right? So anyway, I'll pick wild strawberries. My my young son, my two-year-old son, three-year-old son love wild strawberries. And you and you know you have to do a lot of work to get a few wild strawberries. But he was mine. You know, it was the, the joy of my life. He was like three, and I knew he loved them. So I went one morning early and I just picked all the wild strawberries I could find. And then I brought them in and gave them to Linda. And she put, you know, I think, I think, I don't know, she divided them up between Jed, me, and her. Um, and then Jed ate his, and he ate Linda's. <laughs> and I said to Linda, he ate all your strawberries. And she said, yes, but how good they tasted. <laughs> yes, but how good they tasted. Yes, but how good they tasted. So here's St. Hildegard again, talking about the cosmic garden. And as you tend my garden with love and joy, remember that within its fertile soil lies the potential for transformation. Nurture the seeds of wisdom and compassion and watch as they blossom into expressions of my divine life within you. I'm surprised she didn't get excommunicated or something. I haven't read about this, but she she actually became a great saint. She was, well, she was, for one thing, she was a wonderful administrator and the church needed a minister. I don't know. I don't, I have to look into it. So no competition, no judgment, allowing just who we are to shine through. Don't worry about authentic or inauthentic. Just be, just be who you are. You're good. You're good. Even if you're if you're a sand, a whole bunch of sand, you put sand. You're clearly sand. And um, let's see. Uh, oh no, I got to do bonke. How much time do I have? What time is it? Oh, ten twenty-five. I'll do bonke. Uh, so bonke, seventeenth-century Japan. Every in the in the monasteries and and zazen 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 is what's emphasized zazen and the nunneries too and Banka says zazen is fine but how about present moment how about just being here and seeing what comes up and letting it pass through and uses very simple language and gives direct instructions to to help people return to the unborn mind. That's his term, the unborn mind. Zero, <laughs> the unborn mind, God, <laughs> the 
whatever you want to say. <laughs> emptiness, emptiness. <laughs> emptiness is fullness. Out of this womb comes fullness, comes life. Richness, life. <clears throat> so like a mirror reflecting the sky without distortion is the unborn mind, says Blanca. It shines through everything. Just rest in the unborn mind. He said, well, you can sit in Zazen. That's good. Sit as much or as little as you want. <laughs> it's all a reflection of the unborn mind. You can sit for half an incense stick. They didn't use clocks or a whole insect stick or 10 incense sticks. Even a half an incense stick is a reflection of the unborn. Do you think a handsome, he said to one of his students, do you think a half of an insect's incense stick, meaning you're only sitting for 20 minutes, is less a reflection of the unborn mind than 10 insect sticks? No, the unborn mind. Zero. Always supporting us. It's our nature. It's our nature. He says, oh, don't strive or toil. Just and there, here's a, here's a long quote. Effortless like a falling leaf. True progress comes not from pushing and pulling, but from aligning with the natural flow of existence, like a boat carried by the current. Let go and trust the tide of wisdom. Then he says, if you want to do zazen for an hour or even an entire day, do zazen for an hour or an entire day. But whatever you do, you're always resting on the unborn. Simply return to your unborn nature. And he had hundreds of people would come listen to Banke. And lots of lay people. Um, uh, but he had no successors. And the lineage died out. Uh, interesting, huh? So... No competition, no judgment, just being, being what we are, who we are. And here's Banke again. Uh, uh, compassion. True happiness, Banke declared, does not come from grasping for pleasures or avoiding pain. It blooms from the garden of compassion, the garden of the unborn mind. When you open your heart to the suffering of others, even a small act of kindness can water the seeds of joy within both you and them. So now I'm going to uh, talk briefly about the common threads between these three teachers and then a little bit about their uniqueness. Uh, yeah, it's only 1028. Um, so anyway, I, I know you all have some place to go, which is right here. <laughs> Our mind is always, but I know you kind of believe me. It's not a question of belief; it's a question of opening up and letting go of all this crud, letting the crud do its thing. It's not going to leave. It's the nature of the mind to make crud. <laughs> it's a crud maker. <laughs> In case you haven't noticed. <laughs> Because it's trying to protect us. Sometimes it's fairly unskillful when it makes its crud. It doesn't protect us that much, but it is trying to do that. 
so whimsy. That's the first comment throughout. All three of these teachers are whimsical. They use language and imagery to challenge our, our rigid mental constructs. They invite us to an open, just receptive way of being. <clears throat> Chuangsa's dream of the butterfly, or the butterfly's dream of Chuangsa. <laughs> Hildegard's dancing stars. <clears throat> and Bonke's, it doesn't matter how much Zazen you do. <laughs> Gets all these monks ordained and they're all following him. He says, Oh, you can do some Zazen if you want. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> what? No wonder the lineage didn't survive. <laughs> we think we need to do something to get somewhere. Oh, yeah, we, we, it's good to do something to get somewhere, but don't forget the unborn mind. So the second commonality is surrender and rest. Letting go of striving and clinging. Chuangzi says, just embrace what is our natural state. Hildegard says, surrender to divine love. Christian mystics talk a lot about divine love. And Bankai says, just rest on the unborn mind. Bankai says, don't ch chase after thoughts or cling to worries. Let the unborn mind, free from all distractions, shine through. Within that emptiness, we find fullness. The third commonality, effortless action. Naturally, we can align with the flow of our lives, these teachers are saying. Chongsa through Wu Wei, doing non-doing, effortless effort. Hildegard through dancing with the cosmos. <laughs> she writes a lot about dancing with the cosmos. <laughs> Bonke through uh, being a falling leaf that's carried by the current. <clears throat> so those are the three real similarities and that it's really cool that they don't know anything about each other's cultures here we have Chuangzi in China he knows nothing nothing about Christian culture which is this before Christ and he is nothing about the West and here we have um, uh, Saint Hildegard in the 13th century she's never heard of Chuangzi and we have Banke, who never heard of either of them, in Japan in the 17th century. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, here it is, here it is, here it is. Emptiness is fullness, emptiness is love, emptiness is joy, here it is, here it is. The differences. <laughs> They're pretty subtle, but they're worth pointing out. Chongsa, finding joy in nature and playfully challenging societal norms. Especially Chongsa finds joy in nature and playfully challenges societal norms. Hildegard doesn't do that. She's connecting with the divine through unceasing prayer. And she has these mystical experiences and visions and this wonderful imagery. Bonke. His whole thing is accessing the unborn mind through mindfulness and present moment awareness. So there's, this, there's a subtle difference, but yet there's no difference. And they have a slight difference in tone. 
Chuangzi uses a lot of humor and paradox, nothing but humor and paradox, playing with language, challenging assumptions. Hildegard is filled with awe and reverence for, for everything she sees and feels and her connection with the divine. <clears throat> Donke's tone is direct and simple. Zen, practical guidance. So these are all portals into our, our undividedness from everyone and everything. <clears throat> and I think that's all, all I need to say, all I want to say today. But I'll be happy to entertain questions or comments from anyone. Oh, let's see. I always like to start with the people online. Let's see, there are 50 of you. Would any of you like to uh, tell a story or ask a deep and profound question? <laughs> or maybe a silly question? Uh, well, I, I go ahead and I'll ask a question. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Paul. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes when I try to, well, it, it, you know, uh, growing up, I think uh, the way I was brought up, things were pretty strict, and I didn't have room to to do things different, I guess. Or if I made them different, it wasn't good. So I, I'm not good at baking, for instance, because I don't like to be so strict about following directions. And, um, and I just notice sometimes when I have room and I change things a little bit around, it makes me the happiest. Um, and I can do things, but my way. Mm -hmm. I feel better. Well, that's wonderful. Good for you. Good for you. I, I, I want to honor you as you are. <laughs> because in spite of all of those societal restrictions, you, you've learned how to just settle into being who you are and not be caught so much by those. Isn't that what you're saying? Isn't that what you're saying? Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. People to the left of me in the room. Yeah. I'm hoping that you can speak a bit more about the idea of dim vision. Can you speak a little louder? I'm hoping you, you could talk more about dim vision. Uh, I had a sense of what you meant when you said it. Oh, okay. Yeah, dim vision. Well, uh, I can I can talk quite a bit, quite long about this. I'll try to be kind of, you know, concise. Um, dim vision. So in in Buddhism, in, in much of Buddhism, vision is very, very important. And uh, 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 there's, a, there's an old Zen story about uh, uh, three um, priests and, and, uh, who have been with different Buddhist teachers. And one priest said, uh, uh, my teacher has had all these visions and shared them with me, and they're wonderful. And I think they will change my life. And the second, and the second student says, uh, my teachers had visions too about astral projection, and he showed me how to fly astrally. 
And the third student, that's a Zen student, said, my teacher has taught me how to cut wood and carry water. So Zen, it seems to be very down on visions. But Zen really is trying to marry the mundane and the visionary. It's not what doesn't want to get up doesn't want to get rid of the visionaries. So we caught by our visions. We get caught by them. Our visions become our delusions. But if we ground them in, in just being, we, we feel the connection. So a dim vision, according to me, I guess, well, actually, so no, I go back and talk about Dogen. Dogen, uh, so there's this image in, in Buddhism of the person with cataracts over their some of you have heard me talk about this before. The dim vision person and the blind grandmother who gets us on the wheel of ignorance, the wheel of separation, the wheel of despair, uh, is because she has cataracts in her because he can't see. So we want to we want to remove the cataracts. But Dogen says, no, it, if you can see around and through the cataracts, the cataracts are wonderful. It's part of being human. We're all flawed. So the dim vision person is the hero for Dogen. So uh, uh, I think vision is important. It should be grounded, though, in, in, in who we are and what we are. and shouldn't get tossed away by it. And if the vision is too vivid and too clear, we should be careful because more than, and it sticks with us, more than likely we're, we're um, we're going to a la-la land. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it isn't beautiful. How is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, hi. I think I'm in your talk. It seemed like you're talking about all these different, like, would you say kind of like higher powers in a way? Uh -huh. What the different people are holding up. And it seems like in Zen, it's sort of emptiness or like interbeing mm -hmm. held up as um, mm -hmm. like power mm -hmm. to be worshipped. And mm -hmm. um, just awareness works a little better for me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just wondering. Just awareness works a little better for you. Well, or not just, but awareness. Yeah. And sort of yes. to worship and yes. like be yes. like practice of devotion. So yes. Like, you think they're interchangeable or different? Well, uh, whether you know it or not, Jay, you're you're a disciple of Banke. You're just—I mean, there's a—I think there's a reason you're here. You're a disciple of Banke, and Banke is very concrete, right? Just be aware, don't trip out, um, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, but I—I I, I happen to think that Hildegard and Chuangs are equally great. But we need to be who we are. And, and that's your calling to follow Banke. I won't say Banke per se, but this lineage, Katagiri, Suzuki, this lineage. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yes. Tim, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate the fact that you recently discovered uh, Hodegaard. Oh, do you know her already? Yeah, she's an astonishing figure and actually. Um, she wrote some amazing music as well. She what? She wrote some amazing music as well. Oh, music. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody know her music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of you were raised Catholic. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I'm I'm putting I just I just you know I just found her this last week and I'm inserting her into my 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 next class big time. <laughs> Thank you, Leo. Pardon? Hildegard von Bingen from Bingen, Germany. Yeah. To the German nun. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You said that you fell in love with her? Pardon? You said you fell in love with her? Yes. I fell in love with her first. Why do I have any sloppy seconds? Not at all. Thirds or fours? She was an amazing woman. She was way ahead of her time. Oh yeah. I know it for music. Yeah. I just think that yeah. Well, I, as I was reading her the other day, preparing for this talk, I was thinking about Meister Eckhart, and, and and she just reminded me of him. But he got in trouble, and she didn't. And I wondered why didn't she get in trouble? <laughs> Very smart. See, you know, I, always, I always think that there's a heaven, an actual heaven. Her music is going to be on the house. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Almost as beautiful as your shakuhachi playing. <laughs> He's a wonderful shakuhachi player. Uh, a little more time. Uh, Christopher Tucker had his hand up for a long time. He's online, and I don't know whether you saw it. I can't hear. Christopher Tucker had his name. Oh, Christopher Tucker. Oh, Christopher, are you there? Yep. Oh, hi, Christopher. Good to see you. Likewise. Um, <clears throat> life has been a beach lately. Lots of sand. Beach? <laughs> yes, a beach. All right. And I just, I wanted to... Uh, Thank you for reminding me of the uh, the pearl analogy, because if we're on a beach, then there's a lot of pearl to be had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can be overwhelmed by the sand, the amount of sand. But if we just just get a little sandbox in front of us, a little pail, and go out and, and really, really pay attention to that one pail of sand. We won't be overwhelmed anymore. We see the pearls in it as we as we play in it. We see that it's nothing but pearls, but too much sand can overwhelm us and discourage us and depress us. And I also wish wanted to uh, also thank you for the uh, the Mister Rogers quotes because <clears throat> uh, I had a particularly bad day a few weeks ago and. Without really thinking about it, I just turned on YouTube and started watching Mr. Rogers. Really? <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I hope when my grandkids have kids, <laughs> if I'm still around, I'm going to say, you want to know about Zen, watch Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Christopher. A little more time for anybody else. In the room or online. Good morning, Tim. Oh, hi. So I just wanted to share a quote that I just recently read. I'll paraphrase it and then um, see how it fits in with your um, initial 
comments about um, everything who is putting zero. So the quote is um, all um, when, when making decisions, we never know anything. Thus, all decisions are a mistake. The goal, therefore, is to try to have the most beautiful, generous mistakes that we can make. That's beautiful. Where does that come from? Joan Sutherland and um, Joan Sutherland. Oh, yes, her book on Collins. Is that from her book on Collins? Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful book. But, well, all of those numbers that come from zero are just numbers. They're all they're all flawed because how can you really uh, express zero? And yet they depend on zero. So their wholeness is in their flawedness because zero, their manifestations of zero. But if they think they're 32 who thinks it's a real number separate from zero, that's it's going to get in trouble. But it can rest on it. So we all we make, yes, we make one bad, good decision after another. And uh, uh, we need to keep making decisions. Uh, uh, nevertheless, we don't want to do them arbitrarily. We want to just do them from, from right here, from right here, and settle in enough for a big decision, settle into being right here. Does she talk about that? I see. Well, that's my bonke. Settle into just from right here. Even if you don't know what the unborn mind means and sounds all metaphysical, just right here. And I'm pointing to right here rather than right here. <laughs> because... Chitta in Sanskrit means heart mind. And usually the mind is flipping out, tripping over everything, and we forget the heart. We ignore the heart. But as the mind settles down, it settles into the heart. That's where it belongs. The mind and heart are not two. And it's not anti-intellectual. It's the heart mind. It includes all the numbers, all the thoughts. And of course, it's a metaphor I'm using. But it, 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 but it's, you know how, well, another expression in Zen is, uh, uh, why are you trying to uh, uh, put another head on top of your own? You've already got one good head. You've already got one good heart mind. Why do you have to, why does your mind have to create something else? But we do that. We do that. And we make bad decisions. And that's part of it, too. Because our, whether our decision is good or bad, we rest on we rest on zero because everything comes from zero. Everything is zero in somewhere or other. <laughs> what me worry? <laughs> oh yeah, it's worrying is based on zero too. <laughs> of course, we want to kick worrying out after. Oh, I've been in this retreat for two days, and now I come home and I worry. Oh, worry is based on zero. We worry to protect ourselves because it's a scary world out there. <clears throat> so that's okay. <laughs> it's not scary, but it's not scary because it rests on zero. <laughs> Still a little more time. In... Yeah. I think. Hi. 
The unborn mind makes a lot of sense to me, coming from my practice as a professional psychotherapist, and also based on all the research that I have done. I don't do the research, I read the research ah. on the brain. Ah. And uh, there have been about three longitudinal studies that explain how many things happened that we didn't have unawareness before, such as. The first trimester of pregnancy is extremely important for that brain. That's when the first what? Trimester oh. of pregnancy. Yes. We we build from the inside out. Okay? Yeah. So when we have uh, the two kind of important structures of the brain building in the first trimester, the hippocampus mm -hmm. and the amygdala. Mm -hmm. The hippocampus will take about approximately five years to finish building and interesting. With more. Interesting. The lab on that third month of pregnancy is recording everything that is happening outside of mm -hmm. the womb. And we are picking up already, we might be born with a trauma because we have the sensation, the feeling yes. that born mind that you're talking about. However, the hippocampus is not able to the data and the connection to the feelings. So until we're four or five, we really are not making a lot of sense of the world. However, we're recording, recording. Yeah. So when you mention about the unborn mind, it makes a lot of sense. We didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And these people were ahead of our time when they were talking about things that they, they didn't know about, but they were true. Mm -hmm. So I find a lot of value on what you said about the unborn mind that most of us have. We have this in the middle of the brain. We have the amygdala. Mm -hmm. That's a, a repertoire, a lot of scripts yeah. that we picked up even before we're born. Yeah. So, thank yeah. you. You're welcome, and thank you for uh, explaining that. Thank you. Well, I think um, uh, there would be time for one more, if there's one more, either online or in the room. Yes. HBO has a really great documentary on Mr. Rogers. Uh, Mr. Rogers. Oh, I did see a Mr. Rogers movie. Was that the one? I remember going into a movie theater a few years ago with my daughters. There were two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, Mr. Rogers was, you know, you know from the movie, I guess, he, he went to seminary and he was going to be a minister, but somehow he ended up to be this instead. You, do any of you know the details of that? No. Uh, it, it was a while ago that I saw it. I remember. Uh -huh. um, just it's, it's about the creation of the TV show and oh, all yeah. that. Oh, it, yeah. it, yeah. People are interested. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I'm. Thank you. And I think I um, will turn it over to the dawn now. <laughs>